All right, we are on lesson 41 of the Holy Spirit class, and uh, I think we got down to question three, and I think we just got to the uh, question um, before Christ's incarnation, did he speak to man through the Spirit? And then uh, we basically said yes, and then the right out brings the uh, uh, the point out in 1 Peter three eighteen through 20, and I'll read that, and it's really the the question, or that what it comes from is verse 19. For Christ also died for sins once for all, for the the <laughs> once for all, the just for the unjust, so that He might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit, in which also He went and made proclamation to the spirits now in prison, who once were disobedient, when the patience of when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah during the construction of the ark in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought sla- safely through the water. So the question is, and, and I, the whole premise is, uh, Christ uh, made proclamation to the spirits now in prison. So who and where are they? Who are the, the prisoners and where are they? Because this is—is is this some kind of purgatory? Is this—and this is one that uh, my or uh, right out brings out uh, uh, in great detail about how this is misrepresented and uh, how how sad that is about how this has uh, been misinterpreted. So, does anybody have the who are the spirits now in prison? Nobody knows. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, I'm, re- I'm really glad Rido commented on this because, you know, it's one of those passages that, uh, you know, you hear different interpretations and stuff. And I mean, they don't, it, it yeah, <laughs> it's not always very satisfying to the, you know, uh, interpretation, but <clears throat> I think he had a really, really good handle on it and, and, uh, brought up some really important truths there. So, I mean, uh, who, who are the spirits? I mean, I mean, you could look at verse 20, you know, who were once disobedient. When the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah during the construction of the ark. I mean, I think contextually there, it's the, it's everyone who didn't get on the boat, you know. <laughs> so, so where's the prison? Where is, where is the prison? Where, where is the prison? Um, I'm going to go with Rideout. I think he says, uh, <laughs> wait, awaiting the, the great white throne judgment. So where, um, I don't know. Never been there. <laughs> <laughs> never, never done that. Been there, done that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, even after re- re- reading writeouts, I'm still, I'm still a little bit just. I, I'm, I don't know if I truly understand all of it. Um, you know, the explanation. I'll, I'll go through his, uh, his explanations, but I'm still kind of. He, he just kind of drops a few things, and it's like, okay, and and. I, I don't know. I, is anybody else kind of as well, you know? Confused? You know, uh, there was a thing known as Abraham's bosom, and there was also a part of that that where the unsaved, I mean the unbelievers, went because was it Lazarus? But whoever was in in the other part, part the lower part, where he was suffering in in pain. I mean, in fire and all that. Anyway, um, yeah, and reached out to the one in Abraham's bosom. You know, 
maybe that's what what this is talking about. Yeah, I, you know, again, I just confess that, you know, even with Rideout's explanation, I'm still kind of like, I mean, I'm, it's not like I, yeah, I got it. So um, that's why I was wondering if anybody else has has a real <laughs> confident response to this. So. Well, I think I think what I like understood a ride out is is that he's saying you know that the, that passage is not saying that you know somewhere between his death and resurrection he went to hell and spoke to you know sometimes it's, sometimes it's referred to, you know people interpret that as demons sometimes you know or the nephilim or you know whatever. Yeah. And I think I think what Rido is trying to make clear is that 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 the spirit was speaking through Noah in the days before the flood to the spirits who are now in Peter's time in in prison awaiting judgment um, and where that exactly is. I mean, I think the Old Testament word is like Sheol, which yeah. basically means who knows where, you know, it's kind of the, the best, you know, it's just but but again, like like Cheryl was saying, you know, uh that some some kind of divided um, place of you know Abraham's bosom and and uh, torment or whatever, but um, but I, I just I think that's really you know that I don't think Peter's I, I think I agree with Rido. I don't think Peter's saying that Jesus went yeah you know, some somewhere in the you know the the you know netherworld and and spoke to spirits that said no he was he spoke to them in times past and peter's using that as an example to say that and today he he speaks through the spirit in, in a similar way to, or same way that he did yeah and, you know. and i agree that he's not that christ didn't go down to hades or whatever and and all this it just it kind of you, you, it seemed like just it wasn't as clear as i'd like to have it that you know it was talking about in Noah's days and those people and the eight that survived and everybody else. Um, so I understand that, but it's, you know, it's kind of a, it, when, when it says that he, you know, he spoke through Noah, well, I'm thinking about what about all the, the prophets that were indwelt or, you know, and all this. I think he spoke through all of those every bit as much as he did through Noah. And, and it's just this verse is kind of brought out and it's like, okay, yeah. And I'll get to another one that, that I looked at that, I, I think is more kind of direct that Christ was speaking in, in olden times. So, Mike, is your mic on? Uh, um, is your mic on? Thank God. I, th- I think that uh, Miles has, has hit on it when, for a hundred years when Noah was building that ark, he was speaking. Yeah. Like like uh, Rideout says, every time he hammered a nail and it spoke judgment to those around him who were what he describes as scoffers. Right. And what's interesting is is that there came a day when it started to rain. Yeah. There were only eight people who were going to be saved on the earth. The rest of them were all going to die. Yeah. And so I think it speaks of the bondage that everybody who's not a believer is in. And where do, when, when a non-believer in Noah's time or a non-believer today, when they die, where do they go? They don't right. go to hell yet because there hasn't been a judgment. Right. So there's a place where their spirits are held. Uh, are they spoken to by Christ or are they spoken to? They obviously were spoken to by uh, Noah, but by the fact that he was yeah. building an ark. Yeah. 
And if, like we've been studying John on Wednesday night, it's amazing how much the Jewish nation rejected everything that Christ said. Mm -hmm. They weren't having any of it. Yeah. And they wanted to stone him. And, uh, next hour we're going to talk about the judgment that awaits those who wouldn't listen. Right. You know? Yeah, it's just this, this is the one he speaks to him, you know, and it's like, well, you know, now we translate that to no, but I, why wasn't, you know, uh, David, who is a sure. man after God's own heart, who brought forth all this or, you know, Psalms and all the things that were brought out that, you know, I think he was speaking in those times too. It's yeah. just th- this one he, br- he brought out and it was like kind of the most questionable one to me, you know, and you kind of have to make that association that it's all, be- all the people who are non-believers and that he spoke right. to him through Noah. So. Right. Anyway. I think I think Peter's reason for for using that example because it is a kind of a weird one, but you know, yeah. um, is that that Peter focuses so much on on the judgment that is is to come. You know, that's a major yeah. focus of Peter. There's going to be judgment and that is coming, and he's kind of putting that in there, you know, to show that the Lord doesn't um, he doesn't bring about that that judgment without without sharing the the, the message of salvation through people by His Spirit. I, I think it's probably what well, I reason. As Mike said, a hundred years of testimony, you know, while he was building this and scoffers and all that gave him obviously an opportunity to believe and for a hundred years while he's building this and they didn't. And that's why millions of people died, you know, during that, those days. So. Well, and you talk, you, you, um, just review Romans two and three. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the, the, the heathen. Mm-hmm. The, the self-righteous man and the religious man, you know, through those three three men and the testimony of God and his creation and to the, all the way to the Jews who had his word, um, there's a testimony. Yeah. And they reject it. Oh, yeah, totally rejected. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I, I, I didn't I want to kind of get some ideas before I started to blast through some of what right out has. It's kind of lengthy and I didn't want to just read without getting some input. Any other input uh, before I kind of get to what Rideout brings out? Yeah, right. I, I'm right there with Miles. I haven't been there. <laughs> yeah. Not, not quite sure exactly where, but I think the point of what, I think it is about judgment. I think it is about comparing the relationship, and I think you're going to get into this, and so I don't want to step on that next yeah. portion, but there, there's a point here, and it's not about where obviously I'm curious to, um, and to be honest, I haven't probably put enough time in and to have a, a really opinionated perspective on it. But, uh, I think these next questions are going to really get to the, yeah. Meeting. Yeah, I think so. I think, but this was more like, had he, you know, I guess maybe more than the question before Christ's incarnation, did he speak to man through the spirit? You know, if that's the focus, it's, I think there's lots of things. This one, I think it's used because it directly says, you know, he made proclamation to, yeah. so it's a direct one rather than, but then it's really extrapolated to the same that happened throughout all of, uh, the history before Christ was, was incarnated. So, so let me go through this and I'll, uh, I'll, what right out brings. It has been thought to refer to what was done by our Lord after his death, that he descended into the unseen world and there, quote, in, in spirit, 
in his disembodied state, preached the gospel to the spirits in prison. Apart from its grossness, such a thought is not uh, not only utterly foreign to the scriptures, but serves as an apparent basis for the doctrine of purgatory and future probation, which, I need hardly say, are most dangerous errors. He then states, in Noah's days there were scoffers, but Christ went in that day and preached by the Spirit, the same Spirit in and through whom he was quickened, he he is present with us now, just as he was present in Noah's day by the Holy Spirit who represents him. Represents him. Noah's case is cited as being at the close of a time of forbearing and just preceding the judgment. The world that was, the world that then was answers to the world that now is. See Peter 2, 6, uh, 2nd Peter 2, 6 and 7. What happened in this day will finally happen with the world. The men who heard Christ preaching through the Spirit in Noah are now in prison. They heard the preaching and rejected it. So it'll be, it will be in a day soon coming. He then goes on and says, Christ went in the Spirit in the days of Noah and preached to the men whose spirits are now in prison. The Spirit was his representative and executor. So that's how, how Rideout explains it. Again, it still is not as 100% clear as I'd like to have it. Um, I did go, kind of an, another one, which is a little bit longer, too, is from Matthew Henry. I just went to his commentary. For the explic- explication of this, we may notice the preacher, Christ Jesus, who has interested himself in the affairs of the church and of the world ever since he was first promised to Adam, Genesis 3.15, he went not by a local motion, but by special operation, as God is frequently said to move. Genesis 11, Hosea quotes, he went and preached by his spirit, striving with them and inspiring and enable, enabling Enoch and Noah to plead with them and preach right, righteousness to them, as Second Peter 2.5. The hearers, because they were dead and disembodied when the apostle speaks of them, therefore he properly calls them spirits now in prison. Not that they were in a prison when Christ, Christ preached to them, as the vulgar Latin translation and popish expositors pretend. <laughs> I love that one. The sin of the, the sin of these people, they are, they, they were disobedient. That is rebellious, unpersuadable and unbelieving. As the world signifies, this is their sin. This, their sin is aggravated from the patience and long suffering of God, which one once waited upon them for 120 years together while Noah was preparing the ark. And by that, as well as by his preaching, giving them fair warning what was coming upon them. The event of all, their bodies were drowned and their spirits cast in, into hell, which is called prison, Matthew 5, 25, 2 Peter 4, uh, 2, 4 and 5. But Noah and his family who believed were obedient and saved in the ark. From the whole, we learn that God takes exact notice of all that means and advantages that people in all ages have had for the salvation of their souls. It is put to the account of the old world that Christ offered them this help sent his spirit, gave them fair warning by Noah, and waited for a long time for their amendment. Though the patience of God waited waited long wait long upon sinners, yet it will expire at last. It is beneath the majesty of the great God always to wait upon man in vain. The spirits are disobedient sinners. As soon as they are out of their bodies, are committed to the prison of hell, whence there is no redemption. The way of most is neither the best, the wisest, nor the safest way to follow. Better to follow the eight in the ark than the eight million drowned by the flood and damned to hell. So, interesting for Matthew. Yeah. 
I, I think it's an important distinction there to, to say that um, Christ, if Christ was preaching to human beings that had already died, mm-hmm. why would he do that? There's no option. <laughs> I mean, what, what is he just telling them that... Uh, Neener, neener, neener. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why is he doing it? so? I don't think I, that's. I think I think what he's talking about the fact that uh, non-believers, all men who are alive on the planet, are in fact in prison. Yeah, and they're incarcerated by the by the sin nature, and uh, they belong to the Adamic family, which is condemned. Well, I, I think, I think in, you know, again, kind of from the question, it's incarnate, the incarnate, but now, yeah. I think it's the same thing. We're preaching the message and they reject it. Yeah. Same, exactly the same as what they did. Noah was there and, and Enoch and that, right. and they, they preached this That's and they right. rejected it. That's, I think, the thing is he just did it through Noah's obedience and, and his work through, through that and what Peter brings out. But I think yeah. it's, you know, it's prevalent throughout all of, all of, uh, pre-incarnate Christ. Yeah. Where right. he worked and and message his message of you know again kind of in the, what the Galatians three twenty three everything pointed to the Christ right. and the 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 law was the tutor but now that Christ has come there was no longer it was all pointing to Christ all of this was pointing to Christ and and his presence through temporary indwelling of the Holy Spirit and all that mm-hmm. so. I, I, I kind of made a connection here as I was as we were talking, and, and it, it kind of dawned on me finally. You think about the fact that Noah was was a righteous man uh, by faith who lived before law, right? And he lived in a time when judgment was imminent, and and yet Christ spoke through him about um, about uh, the, the, the free offer about grace, right? It, Christ spoke through to to them about this offer of grace. And I find it connected here with Second Corinthians 5, uh, verses 20 and 21. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And I realize that's, that's exactly what, what Christ was doing through Noah before the yeah. flood. And here we live all through the New Testament. You know, we live in a, in a time where, uh, uh, you know, the judgment of the world is an imminent event. And, and just like Noah, you know, Christ is making this, um, it, 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 all, it sounds a little bit, you know, desperate in, in those verses there. Like there's this urgency to this appeal that Christ is making through us to those who are otherwise doomed to judgment. And anyway, that's just kind yeah. of like. Yeah, there, there's another one that I, you know, again, we're kind of before the incarnation. How do you speak to man? The other one I looked up was First Corinthians 10, 1 through 4. Well, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren that our fathers were all under a cloud and, and passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they were drinking from the spiritual rock which followed them, and the rock was Christ. So, again, I'm looking at <laughs> the direct quote that he was Christ was present, and and leading them and directing them, and so... I think that's how, you know, through either the indwelling or through Noah and through all the people who prophets, all them, I think he spoke through them. So, and it basically, so, so the thought is that Christ uses various instruments or people to speak through the indwelling of the spirit. And then in these, we'll get to the next question is in, in question four, 
in Psalm 22, 16, 40, 69, etc. Who is speaking? So a couple of couple of the uh, references. Psalm 22, 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Uh, Psalm 22, 16. For dogs have surrounded me. A band of evildoers has have encompassed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count on my bones. They look, they stare at me, they divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they they cast lots. Who 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 do we think is speaking? First person. <laughs> any any guess there? Jesus. Yeah, yeah. It, it's directly, you know, talking about what at that time what would happen and transpire. And it, he's basically saying, um, through the Psalms, exactly what would happen to himself. So again, this is again where I think speaking and, you know, through the incarnate, uh, prior, prior to in the incarnation of Christ, we, we, we definitely see him speaking. So, uh, right up points out the entire Psalm evidently refers to what Peter has called the sufferings of Christ and the glories that should follow. But you notice it is Christ himself who is speaking all through that Psalm, not merely the spirit. And I so might go on quoting one psalm after another to show not mere inspiration, but if I may speak, impersonation. It is a wonderful subject to trace Christ speaking throughout the psalms by the Spirit. So, again, you know, going to the, to the question, who, who is speaking in all these? Christ is speaking and telling of all the things that were going to uh, happen. And, I, you know, other ones that I, I think of is Isaiah 53. Um you know, it's, it's describing it, but who, who is, who is motivating or, or, uh, directing Isaiah in this? How did, how did he know what to say in Isaiah 53? It's the, it's the indwelling of the Spirit in Christ pointing him to what was going to happen. So in Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried, yet we, we ourselves esteemed and stricken, smitten of God and afflicted, but he was pierced through for our transgression. He was crushed, crushed for our iniquities. The chastening of our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourgings we were healed. So again, who who is uh, Isaiah? How does he know this? He's speaking directly what was going to happen to Christ. So it's the indwelling of spirit in Christ directing him uh, uh, in what was going to happen. Isaiah 53, 11, 12. As a result of, of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will lot him a portion with the great, and he will divide the booty with the strong, because he poured himself out, to, or he poured out himself to death, and was numbered with the transgressor. Yet he himself bore the sin of many, and interceded for the transgressors. So again, you know. Uh, Isaiah is is moving through the through the indwelling spirit to direct him to say because what did Isaiah know about this? He's 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 saying this and he has no clue. I don't think about what was going to transpire. So it was the, it was Christ speaking through Isaiah to us that what would happen. So other thoughts or any, any other scriptures that you you think that. Uh, where where is speaking? Do, do you think that the, um, with Isaiah uh, in particular, do you think that uh, people in the Jew, in the 
Jewish nation understood that it was the spirit of God speaking through a man. He was, you know, they put a lot of emphasis on prophecy. But the a prophet, the spirit of God had to speak through the person for mm-hmm. it to be legitimate prophecy. Mm-hmm. Did, did they recognize that it was this person of the Holy Spirit who's actually doing the talking? No, I think they, they, they killed a lot of the prophets. They didn't respect any of the prophets. And, and yet they were bringing the message of God to the people. And what did they do? They rejected it. Yeah. So, you know, and again, when you look at this one in in Isaiah, I'm, I'm curious as to, what they thought at that point, because this is what four or five—I don't know how many hundreds of years, yeah. a thousand years—ahead of Christ's incarnation and his crucifixion. Right. So, what did they? How did they take this, and what did that mean to them? You, you know, think they were savvy about um, the promises made in uh, Genesis three that a savior would be, you know, would come. You don't think? J.D. just shook his head. No, he. No, I don't think that they were savvy. Um, <clears throat> I think yeah. that they had been spoiled with uh, receiving the law on, you know, and having that direct contact with Yahweh that they expected miraculous mm-hmm. intervention from God to come before them and direct them like they, like he had done in the past. And so moving on into the latter part of the Old Testament, um, you see the Spirit's work, but it's rejected because it's not, it's not this grandeur face to face with God where, you know, I cannot look upon Him and the glory and it's like, here's a man speaking, uh, as if He is God. And that, that is foreign, I think, to them, to the nation well, of Israel. Well, well, and I also think, what were they looking for? They were looking for somebody who's going to boot these Romans out of here and become the, the king of Israel and lead them. Yeah, that's true. You know, here's, here's a man who shows up, and you know he he was born in Bethlehem. <laughs> you know he was you know of humble beginnings, and he was not the one that was slaying the Romans. And so they they were looking for that. I don't think well, probably Christ preached to them about his upcoming death because even the apostles didn't understand what was going on, and they were spending twenty four seven with him. Yeah. And so I think you know I think afterwards I think a lot of the apostles started going to this and obviously you know because they're they're quoted in in some of the the uh, messages um in the gospel and that 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 reference back to this so i think afterwards it's like oh now i know what isaiah was saying and and you know what do you mean the temple is going to be raised in three days huh <laughs> you know it took 70 years and what you know they they were pretty as you say not savvy but then they they picked it up so Again, I just, you know, there, I think there's a lot of things getting back to the question about who's speaking. I think there's a, so many references in all the Psalms and different prophets where it says, you know, that Christ was definitely speaking through the Spirit, through the prophet, describing himself and what was to transpire. <clears throat> One of the things that stood out to me here, um, and, and you've, you've already made this clear, but I, I, in terms of the way he says it, it is Christ. I say who is speaking, but it is the spirit who makes such a wonder possible. So what that means is there's a relationship there. And he, he goes on to use the word dependent or the words dependence and obedience. Here you have the Messiah, you know, being dependent upon the spirit in every one of these situations. Um, he speaks, 
but he's dependent upon the spirit, the third person, right? Yeah. And so there's, and, and we also know that, that he prays to the father through the spirit. And so there's a dependency and an obedience to, in, in Christ's life that, um, shows the, the way that the Holy Spirit, um, makes our ability even to speak, uh, the words of Christ accurately. It's this dependency and obedience that I thought was really interesting here that he mentions. So when I, I think we get into it a little bit in the next question. Um, what is suggested by the expression, the spirit of Christ? This is the linking, I think, of, of Christ and the spirit. So if the spirit speaking in, in the Old Testament time, they're linked. And, and we'll see this. Did you have some? I just had a thought that the Spirit's working is not only is not only uh, in Old Testament times, but now uh, prophetic utterance or or like maybe being a teacher. But did he also in the Old Testament times, which made them liable? Did he open up their understanding? And when he did, did they reject what? the understanding was or were they just did he not work on them yeah you know well obviously in Noah's time you know obviously he had 120 years to figure this out yeah they rejected well and Abraham wasn't around yeah with the Jews but yeah I think they I think it's rejection not a not knowing yeah I think 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 it's more rejection especially the Jews because the verse we studied last week, well, what advantage did the Jews yeah. have? Mm-hmm. And the answer is they had every advantage because they had God. They were the oracle the holder. You know? Yeah. And the, the, that, that book from, uh, uh, Good Seed, The Stranger on a Road to Emmaus, how God, how the Lord Jesus opened up their understanding about the scriptures. Mm-hmm. So it seems like the Spirit of God does that work also. Oh, yeah. That's what holds them accountable. Right, I, I, that's better. this whole class, convince yeah. and, you know, convict. Yeah. That's, well, and us too, right? <laughs> well, yeah, yes. <laughs> Each and every day, yeah. Um, you know, another take-home point is that when you think about the 8 million people who didn't get on the ark, <laughs> and it says they're all going Talk to the great there. white throne of judgment, and... uh and it, it kind of brings the light. Every living human being today that I know who's a non-believer is in that same state. But I don't really want to offend them about Jesus. You know, friends. I mean, yeah. it's like this is vitally important. Yeah, you know, it's kind of an interesting thought. Now I think about it. When you say eight, nine, how many people die each day not knowing the Lord? Yeah, you know we think eight million in a shot. You know, in forty days of rain and flooding, you know that probably happened in the last two months here on Earth. You know, that's it's an interesting thought that that many people have rejected Christ even today. So God knew they wouldn't get on the ark because it couldn't have held them all. (laughs) Yeah, he built. He knew he built it. Built it for what he could load. So. Um, let me see if I can get here on this one. So, you know, basically what, uh, you know, I, I said, do the, the linking of the spirit in Christ, I think is a key. 
and when, and it's referred to as the spirit of Christ. And I, I think there are a lot of verses that, you know, that, that make this link. And you know, some of them are the ones that are John, uh, 14, 16, and 17. I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth. Okay. And then in 16, 13, but when the, he, this, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth and he, he will not speak of his own, on his own initiative. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine, Christ, and will disclose it to you. All things that are, are all things that the Father has are mine, and therefore I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. So, who or what is truth? <laughs> yeah, the Lord Jesus is this, this, uh, described as he, he said I'm the way and the truth and the life Yep. but now we're talking about the spirit of truth which is yeah again it's it, with the father son and the holy spirit in terms of what their what what their their, their individual persons sharing the same life well, I, what, what I was trying to get is, and you've got John 14, 6, Jesus right. said, you know, I am the way, I am, so essence, yeah. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah. No one comes to me. So the link is he is the truth. Yeah. So, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, <laughs> that immediately, who is truth? He links, and, yeah. I mean, the spirit of truth is, if he's truth, the spirit are equal. Yeah. And, and that those are, are the, uh, the linking there that they're, you know, kind of getting back to the spirit of Christ or the spirit of truth. They're one and the same. I mean, they're, they're one entity. Again, the, the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're all equal, different, uh, things that they do and accomplish. Right. But they're all of one Godhead. I find it interesting that you have the Father and the Son who entered into an agreement, the eternal covenant. covenant. But you see the you see the Holy Spirit, his his uh he's not entering into agreements. No. He's just always trying to manifest God in Christ. That's his job. That's what he does. And it's not by agreement, it's just that's what he does. And so uh none of them act independently ever. Right. Well that's the John sixteen, thirteen, yeah. and fourteen. He's gonna disclose everything of mine. Yeah. He knows everything about me, he's the one who discloses it all. He's the one who convinces, convicts, right. indwells, does all that's what his job is. Yeah. You know, Christ was to come and take the sins upon himself, crucified and that, but right. the spirit is the one who actually the power of the resurrection and, and all that. So, you know, the other, for the law, in John, John 1, 17 through 18, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. Again, I just want to get the link between truth and spirit. They're, the, they're, they're linked together with the spirit of Christ. Right. They are the same. Right. And so, and, and then in 14, uh, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Glory is of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. In 1426, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you 
all things and bring to remembrance all that I said to you. Again, there's just a perfect link between Christ and the Spirit. There's no separation between them. And so right up puts it this way. When we find the Holy Spirit so closely and intimately identified with that, with what our blessed Lord was to do and be when he, when here on, upon earth, that he anticipated these things. His purpose was so to present it that not merely should a correct prediction be given, but the setting as well, in which all that occurred should be presented. Does it not show that all, does it not show that all God the Father's counsels centered about his Son, that all the Spirit's work was to exhibit Christ? What ineffable love between the divine persons of the Holy Trinity. Again, it's the perfect link between the Spirit and, and Christ. There's no, there's no difference other than what they, their purpose and their, what they accomplish. You know, we've spent a year and a half deciding, you know, studying what the Spirit's job is. Christ was to come, the eternal covenant that he had with the Father. That was his job. And I think one of the things that, I'm sorry. I oh, no, go ahead. I think we're, we're yeah. out of time. Yep. Yeah, for sure. No, go uh, ahead. Well, it's it's interesting because we think of the Holy Spirit as an operating system. Was that Christ's operating system? Or, you know, no, it's a person. Okay. Yeah. But it was love that 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 joined the persons of the Trinity, the love amongst themselves that allows us to understand what love is. And so Christ isn't ever obeying and depending upon someone he does not love. He's always operating out of love. Yeah, God is love. <laughs> and, yeah. and the triune is, they're all, you know, that's why, that's why again, the, the Romans 8.30 section, you know, we have an, he has an eternal love for us. Of those who are his, he has an eternal love. There is absolutely nothing that can separate us from his love. And that, that, you know, the great comfort we have in whatever, again, my two things, sovereignty, he's in control, so whatever goes on, but he loves us. And, and as you said, they, they are love. God is love. Yeah. He first loved us, you know, all that that comes out. So, um, but, uh, I, we're about over unless there's any final comments. Um, I have one more question. I think Miles, are you up next? Yep. Okay. So I'll have one more. Uh, it shouldn't take us that long, so you should be ready for next week. Sounds good. All righty. Let's close. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you again just as we've discussed the uh, the love that you have uh, for us. And uh, and that's an eternal love that we can't be separated from. And, uh, again, you're sovereignly working each and every one of our lives to conform us, to transform us into the image of your son. And uh, we thank you for that, that uh, – you are doing that, and there's uh, no malice in that. In in trials, it's only by uh, through love that you work in our lives, and we just uh, rest in that fact. And you give us great peace, understanding that. So we just pray as we move on uh, this day that uh, all they say and do will honor and glorify you, and just be with Mike as he gives us the message and the next meeting. And we just uh, thank you again for all these things in Jesus' name. We pray, Amen. Amen.